Today on The Laugh Track, we go from comedy to comic books as we celebrate one of the most action-packed, well-written, and yes, funniest sci-fi shows of our generation. Born for big-screen hits like Iron Man and The Avengers, Marvel's first TV primetime show of the cinematic era also became its most successful. Now, after seven seasons of hydra-battling, space-hopping, time-traveling fun, the show has bid us farewell. And we've got Agent Coulson himself, Clark Gregg, along with Ming-Na Wen, Chloe Bennett, and the entire cast all together for one last farewell party. One more round of insightful introspection and plenty of laughs. It's the entire cast of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm Jerry Strauss, and this is The Laugh Track. Do you need your weekly comedy fix? Relax while we visit the sitcoms you love, the jokes you remember, the characters you will never forget, and the stars that bring them to you. Sit back, it's the Laugh Track with Jerry Strauss. Hello again everyone and welcome to the Laugh Track with Jerry Strauss. He is I, I am him, and this is a an extra special edition of our show. As you can tell, you may be one of those who are hopping on board early. We are releasing uh, not at our usual Thursday morning time, but we are out on Wednesday night because this is our official post-show party, if you will, our post-game show. Call it what you will. You may have just watched the series finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Marvel's first and greatest TV show of our generation, And if you've enjoyed it, loved it for seven seasons like I have, this is a big, big moment, and we don't want it to end. And that's why we are bringing you this exclusive opportunity to get up close, personal, and inside the heads of the whole cast of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. one more time. This was a very special uh, media event. We want to thank ABC. We want to thank Disney. We want to thank Marvel, everyone who made it possible for us to be a, a part of this thing and uh, join the ranks of a lot of really great writers and journalists who you may recognize from some of your favorite websites and podcasts and other outlets as well. So we are going to bring it all to you here. Uh, We had an opportunity to do this roundtable style. So we spoke to three different uh, cast members at a time. Three rounds of three cast members each. Uh, Lots of numbers, I know. But Trust me, it's worth the ride. It's a lot of fun. We're glad you're here, and we're not going to wait any longer. We're going to get started right now. First up, uh, what a trio we have here. Uh, Two Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. OGs and one of our newer favorites. We're talking about Ian DeCastiker. We're talking about Elizabeth Henstridge, of course, playing Fitz and Simmons, respectively. And uh, the young man who they would pluck from the future and then find out that he was, in fact, their grandson. Uh, Deke Shaw, played by Jeff Ward, also a part of this conversation. So buckle up. Here we go. It's the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hello. Hi. Hey. Um, Hi. This, first, this first question is for, um, for Jeff. Regarding the fate of Deke, you're not around for the very end of the finale, but it's up to us to sort of imagine where you wind up. And right now, the, the two uh, options are, leader of the last remnants of S.H.I.E.L.D. in this alternate timeline, or huge mega rock star playing Madison Square Garden, where do you think 
Deke winds up. Is it a one or the other or a blend of the two? Oh, so glad you asked because <laughs> we've been discussing this and I, um, I know that it's a blend of the two because imagine if you found out that like Bruce Springsteen was actually the head of the FBI. That's kind of like, you'd never suspect it, right? So he's using his rock star persona as the ultimate hiding in plain sight tactic to be running an international superhero policing ring. And uh, at night, you know, gigs, gigs with various songs that he's ripped off and passed off as his own. You should hear his Space Oddity cover. It's very excellent. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, <laughs> Thank Paige, you. you are up. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Um, so was everyone as surprised as I was that Fitz and Simmons had a happy ending after watching the entire series? <laughs> yes. Great question. Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've been, you know, ripped apart so many times and so many tragedies have happened. And I think, you know, you, you kind of talk about earning moments of, of happiness for them. And I think, you know, they definitely earned that happy ending. And, and it's also nice that they're kind of, you know, they still have that conflict between them of, you know, Simmons wanting to, it's like sneakily staying in the game a little bit and he's completely checked out for a while. Like it's nice that they've got their happily ever after, but they still, you know, they still have that classic bicker, bickering and, you know, they, they're not um, perfect. <laughs> they're perfect okay. in my eyes. Jamie. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hi, Jamie. Hello. Um, I have a question for Ian. Um, so you kind of, you, you come back and you swoop in and you just save the day. You're like, I'm gone, I'm back, but uh, it's all about me now and it's awesome. Um, how did it feel to kind of return to set and get to get to have this really epic big moment i don't know really like yeah it was kind of bizarre it was a little bizarre coming back because i had a bit of time time away but i suppose you know it's not um a huge part of that is more that he's he's almost taken a bit of a back seat and elizabeth's gone up and or simmons has gone off and done all the hard work we smothered yeah, you when you came back i feel like we were all had to be touching you at all times like you know me and jeff all of us it was it was all it was me and elizabeth yeah <laughs> No, but it was, yeah, but it was weird coming back. I mean, it's even weird now just looking back at it and thinking that it's not, it's been a year now since I think, it's been a year since we finished, since we finished shooting that final episode. And it's still, you know, we were just, me and Liz were just saying, we, I just watched the finale today. And um, and it's a weird experience, but there's still a part of it that got hindsight on it, but it still it doesn't feel like it's over. It's a weird, I don't, I don't know what point that uh, all that stuff will kind of hit in. It's kind of a, uh, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if you would kind of uh, uh, liken it to like being at school or being at college or, you know, an ex-girlfriend or what. I don't know what you would liken it to, but if there's still a, there's a, I suppose there must be just be a grieving process in it of it being over. And uh, seeing the finale was definitely something that was a, a strange experience. Yeah, um, same. Yeah. Okay, Chris. 
Hi, um, this is mostly for Ian, although I guess um, the rest of you can, can answer as well. You know, how did you learn that you were going to be sitting out most of the season and sort of what was your reaction to that? And then for the, uh, for the rest of you, you know, kind of what was it like not having Ian around on set for most, most of the filming? Brilliant. No, it sucked. <laughs> it sucked. It really, it was, I, I was, was there. Very, they just didn't know. sad all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was living That's probably a longer, longer discussion than, um, than uh, we have for today. But it was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Not, it was like, like I was say, saying just there, it was weird not coming, it was weird coming back and um, there was a history between people that, you know, I wasn't a part of in a certain sense. But at the same time, it was kind of like just uh, it was coming back home. And it, um, as long as it had been a big time in between, it was, it felt like 15 minutes. <clears throat> yeah, we were so excited to have you back. I mean, it felt very strange, Ian not being there, definitely. Um, but I think with us knowing kind of that those last two seasons were going to be our last, I think, you know, season six, we just had such a good time. It felt like we were on some crazy psychedelic comedy skit show. And it was so, it just felt like everybody got this encore of, you know, these two shorter seasons and creatively you can do so much with them that, um, you know, they hadn't, been able to flex those muscles before the writers and creators and everything and so then there's something really special about you know we knew that Ian would be in season seven so I think you know as actors and you can attest to this too Jeff it's like you kind of it wasn't as hard as it could have been because we knew he was going to be coming back and I think we're so close as friends that it was like, you know, you can, it was almost like having somebody that went to do a year abroad and you could just be like, oh my gosh, brilliant. I can talk to you about this because you're an outside person now. And I, you know, it was like that familiarity of like a support system that kind of knew everything, but wasn't in it. And um, yeah. And then when we got him back, it was just amazing. It felt like, you know, cause as the team as Simmons was, I spent my, I spent all season seven, searching for him or you know like he was he was in every scene with me I basically talk about him all the time so it kind of was reflective of Elizabeth just like waiting for Ian to come back so I could I remember there was a scene that we shot where Elizabeth Simmons is talking to you're making a video message I think to send to Fitz and yeah. I and Dee comes in and sees it happening and I just remember like I you know it was supposed to just be this thing of like oh, you know, like he kind of walks in a second too soon and kind of sees this happen. But it was really, it was crazy. I mean, like it was a mixture of like genuinely not having Ian there and missing him. And 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 also just like the, for me, like Deke's character and the entire character, the bedrock of it is that he never had a family and that he's always searching for a family. And there was something about Elizabeth making that video message that the first time I did it, it was not my coverage. It was a wide behind my shoulder. And I came in and I was like, huh, why am I, this is, <laughs> and it was like a very, it was kind of, you know, like you felt it in the way that it was being infused in that the lines are being blurred between the characters and like how we were really feeling about that. It was uh, crazy. And then when you came back, I mean, it was just like, yeah, it was, it was such a nice way to end it having you there at the end, because it was like, it felt, it felt like a reunion, you know? It felt like this, yeah. like, really cool. It was really awesome. A reunion and where, like, it? you switched schools halfway and you weren't even supposed to be there. 
And then, like, you know, you're there too, and you're part of the reunion. Come back and was like, we're still friends, right? (laughs) (laughs) Meredith, you're up. Hey, guys. Um, wanted to ask about that the final scene in the bar. I know that was the last uh, scene you guys shot, and it is, it's such like a bittersweet kind of goodbye, and also a little bit of a a prescient predictor of how we see our friends in 2020 over a video (laughs) chat and six, you know, chairs six feet away. Uh, What was that? What were your memories of of filming that scene? What was that like to have that be the last one? That's a really good point. I didn't think about that even when I was watching it. uh, It's scary how much that um, mirrors where we are just now. But I thought it was really fitting into it. I thought that... um, that was a really cool uh, thing. I thought when I read it, um, that I thought they gave everybody a very satisfying end. And I also think one that having people that have stuck with the show for that long through seven seasons it felt like a very um, satisfying end. Hope I, I hope for all of them too. And a and a and an authentic tone of that scene that yeah, you know, there's there's an awkwardness to it, and people don't quite know what to say and when to say it. and you know part of that is it's virtual you know like trying to have a group zoom conversation it's that kind what of what do you mean I don't know. I don't, wait it's what let's say again you got you got sorry the green circle the green the green rectangle on jeff are you talking or is he slowly did you want to hear me i can't okay put your airpods in you know what i'm good sorry elizabeth you know, I mean, we're just we're just messing. Now that's just that's just to keep it light. Keep going. With <laughs> that's just common set banter between us. <laughs> it was also fun to see how expect. everybody had their little makeover of what they would look like in a year. Yeah, and here I we are, made over after makeover. a year. You know, all yeah. looking different. Here we are. Different. Same thing. So actually, talk about looking different. Nobody's <laughs> noticed. Well, maybe I'm sitting too far away. Jeff has been growing a mustache for a very long time. <laughs> So I grew, I shaved, I mean, I've got a short thing. It's never going to oh, I shaved I in a goatee today. I was wondering if that's a goatee. Specifically for that, because yeah. I thought, do you know what? I'm not going to yeah. let Jeff do this alone. Shaved a little goatee yeah. in. And between I the two of you. You can't really notice it because I have the beard of a 14-year-old, but <laughs> it's coming on a little bit. Oh, it's like that. You can see it. You can, when I put gonna, it really up close to the camera. Great. You need Wendy to fill it in for you. I know that's what that yeah that's what would happen. They'd have to color in my. I grow. Here's a fun fun school fact. Um, <laughs> I grow. <laughs> I grow blonde. Tell my mustache the fun is blonde. About your so facial hair. Come on. Yeah, go on. I got my mustache is blonde. So they have to color it in. That's the end of it. <laughs> okay, and Michael, you're up next with the last question. Hi there. I, I want to ask a question. Um, of Elizabeth and Ian, uh, you filmed such great scenes with the young actress playing Alia. Uh, talk about what was the experience like when you were filming the different family scenes? Did, did uh, you know, she had such a bright smile. Were those scenes very authentic for you? And of course, Jeff, that's your mom, technically, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, just, I, I had approval say, on that because she's my mom. <laughs> she, she does, yeah. <laughs> that's right. The uh, I'll just quickly say Elizabeth. It was really great in that scene. There's the last scene with her, because that little girl was American and she was what, what age was she? Oh, yeah. Four or five? Yeah. She's American and she was doing a, a British accent, which was really incredible for yeah. someone of that age. But she was also, you know, as a younger. This is this is um to kind of um back up Elizabeth's directing skills. But you know, 
she's a younger girl and it was hard to keep her concentration a little bit Elizabeth was really good in that last scene I remember she would kind of repeat the lines to her and she would say them back but it came out really well she was so cute I mean we don't really work with kids ever on S.H.I.E.L.D. so it felt like you know there was this precious cargo on set that you you know you're trying to protect at all costs and there's her mom was wonderful and she was so cute and I think it just brought that sense of play that when you have a small child in a scene you just kind of play around and figure out and then it's just capturing those moments specifically at the end when we were, I mean we ran around that field Ian for hours and there's literally two seconds of it I, I mean we were both like we are not ready to be parents this is a lot. I know and it's fun having a kid on set like that you know adults can be yeah. you know when you get kids quite serious and stuff like that and you lose that playfulness but having like when you've got someone like that around it's, it can be quite fun on set yeah thank you thanks y'all thank you bye all right, guys, lots of fun talking to those three. Insane. You can hear already that uh, this is such a unique atmosphere for this roundtable. This is the sort of thing that would normally happen in person at a Comic-Con, um, you know, where you would physically sit at roundtables and talk to these people. But, of course, it's 2020, and that's not really possible. So uh, being able to do this remotely using good old Zoom, like so many of us are doing in our everyday lives. There's going to be some hiccups. There's going to be some distractions. There's going to be some hilarity. And we we heard all three from the three amazing stars whom we just were able to get some great insight from. We're going to move on to our next three now because the party just keeps on rolling. And this is one where I was able to actually have an opportunity to pose a question to all three of them. So great honor for me, as I said, to be a part of this, as well as just simply to be able to bring this content to you guys. This is quite a powerhouse trio. We're talking about Ming-Na Wen, who played the cavalry herself, Melinda May. We're talking about Henry Simmons, who played the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., Alfonso Mac McKenzie. And, of course, Natalia Cordova Buckley, who played the speedster herself, Elena Yo-Yo Rodriguez. Let's get into it. It's Mac, it's May, it's Yo-Yo here on The Laugh Track be happy you know it's uh we've seen them go through so much um they both sacrificed so much and given so much to the to the um to the team that to for them to end up together but also be individuals like she's doing her own thing he's in command um i just love that it kind of felt feels like their relationship's now settled for macalena they're both in in places professionally and, and personally and individually and in a relationship that they both feel very comfortable and stable. And, and I think it's, it's a great ending for them in that way. I think people will be happy, but hopefully they won't be satisfied because I, you know, you always want to leave them wanting more. So I, I really think that's, uh, I think that's what, what's going to happen. For the sweet sequel that's being written, right? Right. <laughs> well, because May May's not hooked up anymore again with anyone. Um, I think the Felinda fans are going to be a little bit sad about the outcome again. But you know what? We've seen this happen before. So don't be surprised if he is uh, resurrected once again. To uh... And someone has to end single and be the one having fun. Everyone else oh, is yeah. in a relationship, you know? Like, so exactly. represent yeah. the single people. 
that's right. That's right. <laughs> Enough of that guy. Okay, next we will take the question from Jamie with comicbook.com. Hello. <laughs> Uh, I have a question for Henry. Um, at, at the end of the sh of the series, you come out in this epic long coat that's <laughs> super reminiscent of, I think, director Fury. Yeah. And was that discussed at all? That kind of parallel? Yeah, quite honestly, the uh, the original getup, everything underneath the pants and everything, was really. I don't know if it was intentional, but it, it, it was very similar to Nick Fury. And uh, the uh, powers that be were like, no, let's, let's nix that because we don't want to, we don't want to have any uh, kind of overlap or anything like that. We just want Mac to be his individual director. And, and I appreciated that, you know? So, uh, but yeah, there, there, let me tell you something. There is, there's a power to wearing a full length coat like that. And there's just something about it. When you put on a coat and it's like it goes down to your ankles and, and it's going in the wind, there's power in that. It look cool. <laughs> Unless you're not wearing anything underneath, Henry. Exactly. Then you'd, you, then you'd be a flasher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I wasn't wearing anything. They had the CGI that in there. So. He's not wearing pants right now, actually. Yeah, I'm not wearing anything now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're right back on set again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to go to uh, Chris with Looper for our next question. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> hey, guys. Um, I was just wondering, Hi. since you're all uh, actors of color, I was wondering how you felt about the way the show dealt with sort of the history of American racism uh, kind of, you know, earlier on in this season. Well, Henry had a lot of scenes, right? That, that well, yeah, you know, here's the thing. Um, when they mentioned the fact that they were going to go in the past, the first thing I, I asked him, I said, listen, you, you have to address it. You can't just have me walking around. I, and Jed Whedon said something to the effect, like, oh, we might make a remark here or there. I said, but you can't, you can't just say something and move on because it, it was so... It is so uh, prevalent in everything, particularly back then. Um, people were just more uh, overt. Well, look, they are now. But I, I, I did request that, and they were fantastic in addressing it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, I think uh, our, our show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., grew in that way in a really... Um, it was really special to watch them get more and more socially, to comment on the social aspects without it being preachy or without it feeling like they're just doing it for the identity, identity politics that we're living in right now, that, that kind of culture. It, it, it felt like we all understood that as artists, we are mirrors to the world. We have to mirror the good and the bad, the dark and the light. And, and it was really great for to find that balance when it came to social issues. And I think the three of us specifically, Ming and I would talk about um, sexism or fe you know, females and, and not just in the industry, but working in, in institutions like this. So the three of us, I think, as uh, as the the people of color in the show, really put 
for those things to be there without them being obvious and being preachy and also uh, rejectful of certain people's points of view or whatnot. But just be very mere, just a reflection of the real world, you know, with, without trying to, to tell people what to believe in or anything. Yeah, and I, and I really like that we were able to touch on some history pieces that were never shown or, um, you know, brought to light, uh, like the, uh, the women pilots back in the 50s um, that Natalia and I got to put on the uniform and there were women of color. Um, I've always been fascinated. You know, there, there were definitely like a few Asian pilots back then. And you would never imagine, you know, during World War II, because I, I know every single World War movie I've ever seen, you know, very few ethnics ever are in those uh, fighting for America and fighting for our freedom. And uh, so it's, it was really lovely. And I, I talked to the writers about that and they thought it was so fantastic because, you know, May is a pilot and uh, to have us there and that it was accepted back in those days. Um, it, 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 was, it was great to graze on that a little bit. Great, next we're going to go to Michael from Den of Geek. Hi guys, uh, this question actually is for Ming. And I wanted to know since obviously the emotionless nature of <laughs> the character <laughs> Uh, got to evolve really? maybe a little bit closer to the real life Ming Na Wen. Was it refreshing to bring, be able to bring a different kind of performance uh, to your character this season? Uh, well, yeah, later in the next few episodes into the uh, season, because the first like three, you know, she was even less emotional and she had no emotions, which was, I mean, I was like, really, you're going to go in that direction? Really? <laughs> and uh, so I, it was tough, but then when she became an empath and I was able to, you know, explore uh, emotions of other people through May, uh, it was definitely a lot of fun um, to, you know, and challenging, but, but it's also a power that she absolutely hates having. <laughs> Thank you. All right, next Come on, we'll, Alex. we'll go to Matt. Um, <laughs> sorry about that from IGN. Hey guys, how are you? Hey. Matt, uh, this question doing? is for um, uh, for Henry. I actually was very curious about you as a performer going from sort of Max, maybe one of his darkest moments on the series of the death of his parents to one of the funniest episodes that the series has had with the totally excellent adventures of Mac and the D and what it was like for you to sort of blend those together uh, and for Mac, to, for the person to be able to console Mac uh, being Deek. What was that like for you? <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, I think the, the uh, episode, the whatever excellent adventure of uh, Mac and the D, that was tricky because in the beginning of the episode, there's all this mourning over the loss of my parents. And generally, something like that would take a number of episodes to try to uh, convey the, uh, the significance and impact of the loss of parents. But I was really only given half an episode to do so in montage. And so I tried to do the best I can in the montage and also carry it into uh, when the montage ended, try to carry it throughout the episode. But uh, like you said, also have moments of levity and humor. And it, I just want to try to do a thing where it was heavy and then a slow fade into 
the humor at the very end. And hopefully I was successful in doing that. Oh, that was yeah. It was great. It was so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It was so good. And you loved that beer, didn't you? No. You, oh, you it's loved no. it. I know you did. I, no, I, I know, know how you I did. know how y'all feel. I had like, to go oh, in. Come on, Wendy, put this on me. Let me tell you, okay. I had to go in like two hours ahead of schedule to get that stuff put on. <laughs> I'm like, man, ah, no way. No way. Thank you. Okay, next we will go to Jerry from the Laugh Track podcast. Can you hear me? Hi, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to thank you guys. Um, you know, this show has brought us so many things for seven years. I think one of the more underrated aspects, comedy. I think it's one of the funniest shows that's been on TV all this time. I'd like to know from each of you, what would you say are uh, one standout scene or line or moment in the show that was just pure comedy that stands out to you as your favorite? Uh, uh, for I, mean, me. I, I, I never remember those things. Oh, sorry. We no, no, go ahead. Go, go, go. I never remember. I can't remember what happened in the finale yet. So, but I'll tell you what I thought was a hilarious moment this season. And it was when Ming-Na May touches Simmons and sees this shield, um, apparatus the thing that i bring in the in the in the suitcase and he just goes it's beautiful or it's lovely or wonderful and it's so out of character and every time she did it i was crying on set because it, she was it was watching maybe as giggly as as elizabeth or as Gemma, and i thought that was one of my favorite moments in this season Aww. That was good. That was good. Every time she walked in, you and I were together, and she would just look so bright. It was just hilarious. That's yeah, it. That's, that's a hard question. It really is. I don't know. For, for me, personally, I mean, I just think of, uh, oh, my gosh, was season five, the first episode, just when we're in space, and the absurdity of being in space. I mean, and everybody reacting to it. I think that was funny. And yeah. reacting to those big roaches and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I love Henry reacting to anything related to a robot. Yeah. He uh. hated, yeah, Mac hated robots. Which is kind of ironic for being a mechanic to start with. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. And having yeah. we got to redo the season. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like irony. I like I didn't even like think irony. of that. I didn't yeah. even think of that. And you end up with a girlfriend with robot arms. Yeah. <laughs> well, he likes that. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, 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 oh, okay. yeah. That, that's where he fell in love with robots. Yeah. Ooh, they can do interesting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're in mixed company, aren't we? We, we still think we're on set, so... Okay, guys, we're going to uh, take one last question from Meredith. Hey, guys. Hi, um, Wanted to ask uh, all of you about uh, just some memories of filming that final scene in the bar. It's obviously, you know, kind of a bittersweet goodbye and also ended up being a bit of a uh, prescient predictor of how we get to see our friends in 2020 on uh, video chat and chairs all spaced apart so, so what, do you, what do you remember from filming that scene oh 
I actually remember exactly what you said, being like, oh, it's so sad that they're not together. It's so sad that they have to connect now technologically and they're not in the lab discussing what they're going to do next or in an office. It's so sad that they are not actually with each other. And like you said, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. always had such a sort of a profit-like way of sort of reflecting what was going to happen later on in life before it did. And we're here we are and we can't yeah. touch each other and we can't be with each other and we're doing our final press the way we did our final scene which is so interesting Lena, you have anything um i mean it was a tough scene to do because there were moments where we're we're realizing that it was our final scene together as a group so that you know and and then it was tough because then we would have to pause and one of us leaves and you know it's like the little the little uh in whatever that game is i can't remember but um yeah it was like sort of like what happened with season five the last episode of season five when we didn't know that we were coming back and we thought it was the end of the series um knowing for sure that it was the series finale that we were shooting yeah yeah it was very very bittersweet yeah, I, I just remember the uh, the immense weight that was in the room because the way they designed it, uh, it we shot everything and then that was the final, like Ming-Na said, that was the final scene that we all shot together. So I, re I remember the immense weight that we had in knowing that this was it for us together. And, you know, and people trying to... Um, you, you know, you try to have moments of levity in there, the joking around, the connecting, but there's always that pall of this is the end. So it was, that's, that's the one thing I remember. Thank you. Stay safe, everyone. Yes. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for all the years of support. Yes. Thank really you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Love you. Bye. All right, guys, so much fun. So great to be able to connect with these three and to bring that to you. Uh, and a lot of great insight about some of the, the funny and fun memories that this show has brought to us uh, over seven great seasons. And if you are, are new to the S.H.I.E.L.D. world, even though it's wrapping up, I encourage you, go to Hulu, catch up, and uh, this is a show that's worth binging. Absolutely. Before we go any further, we still have one big... Uh, a session left featuring the man of the hour himself, the man that really made this show all possible and the whole thing was centered around Agent Coulson. Coulson lives. We're talking about Clark Gregg and we'll hear from him in a minute. But first, here's a message from our friends. You've heard about them time and time again here, but it bears repeating because the work they're doing is so very important, even more so as many areas of our country head back to school. We're talking about no kid hungry. Take a listen. Because of the coronavirus, schools have closed nationwide and kids in need are missing nearly 34 million school meals every day. For many, it's the only healthy food they might get in a given day. No Kid Hungry has a plan to feed these kids, but they need your help. Donate now at nokidhungry.org to help feed America's children during this crisis and in the months to come. That's nokidhungry.org. Thanks. All right. We are ready, set, and prepared to go into our final interview session of this episode again thank you to marvel thank you to disney thank you to abc everyone who made it possible 
for this show, for the Laugh Track to be a part of this very exclusive media event and bring all of these really entertaining conversations to you. Uh, what a threesome we have here. We're talking, of course, about Chloe Bennett, who played Daisy Johnson on the show. We're talking about Enver Jokaj, who you may remember from the short, shorter-lived uh, series known as Agent Carter. Uh, he played Daniel Sosa, and he joined our cast, the cast of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I should say, uh, just for this final season as a man plucked out of Agent Carter's time and into the world of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, of course, the man who uh, found his stardom on the big screen before taking the character of Agent Coulson to this show, Clark Gregg. What a conversation. Uh, here we go. Jamie from comicbook.com. Go ahead and ask your question. Hello. Um, I have a question for Enver. Um, you, you got to bring back your character from Agent Carter, but in a setting that was very much a dollhouse setting, a lot of the same people. W did it kind of feel like returning to the best of both worlds joining the show? Say uh, yes, Enver. Say yes. <laughs> it, it was better. It was better. Uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was um, w one of the really cool things about joining the cast was uh, Jed and Marissa made it clear that they didn't want to just reprise Sousa from the moment that he left the show, that they wanted to go ahead and see a like a, that some time had passed and he had continued to advance uh, in the ranks and with his skills. They wanted to see more of... Um, a super agent. They wanted Daniel to be a little bit further along. And, and that's what uh, they got, people. <laughs> uh, but uh, so that was so that was fun because I got to do uh, I got to have the best of both worlds. I got to continue that character in the way that that trajectory would have gone on if Agent Carter had gone on. And then also, um, you know, I, I, I when I collected Marvels when I was a kid, I, I loved the what if comics. I don't know if you guys remember the what if comics. This felt like such an amazing what if, you know, like what if Daniel Souza joined the cast? And uh, yeah, so I thought it was, it was just a blast. Matt from IGN. IGN. There we go. It's women and men. Remember we freestyled a theme song for IGN? Yeah, I remember that. You guys, I miss sitting in a really, really overly air-conditioning ballroom with you guys. I know, I know. Can I just say? Yeah, we all, we all miss each other. It's, uh, I wanted to ask uh, for all of you, but also the people who worked with uh, Bill Paxton back in season one, what it was like working with his son James as the younger version of John Ooh. Garrett. Okay. That was a complex experience because on the one hand... I'm just still not over losing Bill Paxson. We had so much fun with him. I loved him so much. He was such a joy to be around. And the guy had such incredible stories that every workday with him felt like it went by very fast. Mm -hmm. So to see James show up was kind of a mixed bag. It was very emotional. Uh, but also James is one of the sweetest kids and really knocked it out of the park. And it's been really a joy. Uh, Every time I'm annoyed by anything on social media, I remember there are other parts of it where I get to see people freaking out about watching him bring Garrett back and seeing, and the people realizing halfway through 
that 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 they're related. Um, so it, it was such a joy to have him around. Such a sweet guy, and a really special actor. Couldn't agree more. It was it was. I agree with everything he just said. He's such a special kid, and it was really really special to have him come back and watching people realize that that was his son um, was really fun. Also, yeah, if he, you think about it, if you're playing like a if you're playing like a younger version of your icon dad, yeah. I'm going to show up and I'm going to be timid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, well, I'm going to try mm -hmm. to do a few little things here and there to try to make it. Yeah. He just showed up and Garrett wasn't like that. He mm. showed up just leaving it on the floor from the first moment in such a gutsy way. Mm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Chris at Looper. Hi, um, I was just wondering if you guys could tell us, you know, what the last scene that you shot individually for S.H.I.E.L.D. was and sort of how you felt, you know, when, when you wrapped on that day, if you remember. I, um, I hated my last scene. I'm going to be completely honest. I, had a re I begged for our last scene to be the one where we're actually sitting in the chairs together because of scheduling reasons, we couldn't do that. And my last day was actually the entire Quake fight. And that is really hard to shoot like physical things when you're really emotional because it's just like the exact opposite parts of your brain just like lighting up. And, uh, and then my last, last shot, and this is very like shield, was actually me on a green screen board with a bald cap floating in space on looking dumber than you could imagine with a bald cap on like a like a lawn like a ironing board wrapped in green fabric with like two green guys now is my last shot was just laying there in space so it wasn't very it wasn't um it, <laughs> it was like this is so annoying uh but but it it, it makes sense. Like that's very, a very shield thing to have happen. And for scheduling, we couldn't get the, you know, the, the big emotional scene. We did that like kind of earlier on in the episode. So I was kind of a wreck. I was just like broken open from those scenes and then to do the fights and then to have to lay on a green board bald was pretty odd. Um, so that's kind of funny. <laughs> so that was my last shot. <laughs> I was there for a Sorry. Oh. Uh Page at level seven. Hi. Um, so this is a question for Clark. Um, well, first, uh, your puppy. Uh, I love your puppy. Uh, so Paige Branson. <laughs> What's up, girlfriend? Long time. I remember you from the very first season. Hi. Way back. OG oh, Are you still in Baltimore? Oh, yeah. I'm still here. OK, good. Nice. Right. Sorry. Um, I, I, like, I like your medallion. Thank um, you. And my, and my shirt. And, yeah, and a poster. Uh, the, the background posters. lithographs there from the first yes. season. Saying, love those. First season. Nice. Okay. We need those now. <laughs> I would have loved some for last season, but I know. <laughs> okay, um, hit me, Paige. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Um, so what gave you the most uh, to work with as an actor over all the seasons? Was it like like expanding upon like OG Colson or playing a completely different character like Sarge? or having like an existential crisis every couple of seconds as LMD Coulson? Yeah, that's a great question. Certainly those last couple of ones, the, you know, who is Sarge, or, you know, getting this kind of 
well, we don't know what we can tell you and we don't know even what we know from the writers. And then what does it feel like to be, uh, you know, a synthetic version of yourself, which I've been studying for decades. Um, but I, I have to say those weren't it. I mean, from the first, from the first interrogation scene with um, Sky, uh, after we pulled her out of her van, there was something just different about Chloe Bennett and the way, the way she has a realness and a, and a, and a fire to her as a performer that, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of great actors to work with on that show, but the, the, the through line of that relationship, that friendship, that family type relationship which you know people say father daughter and it definitely has that in it but i think like my relationship with chloe it has so many permutations there are ways where it isn't that simple where she's helping and teaching and rescuing me as often as i'm doing that for her so to kind of that to have the, that part of the show was the one where i grew the most as an actor and as a human i would say in spite of chloe <laughs> out on the scale of one to ten how embarrassed are you now chloe no just like it just hit me right now that this is our last round table for shields ever and it's like and then that answer just kind of like gets me a little mosh because it's it is that that's you know people do say father daughter all the time and i think what's one of the has to be the most rewarding part of the show is um having probably one of the most dynamic relationships with someone in my life and that relationship is with Clark um, where it mutates in it and it and it, we there's so much growth and there's so much openness and there's so much respect I, I just I'm such a it's a I don't I don't think most people get the privilege of having such a dynamic relationship that you can't quite put into any sort of box of it's this it's that it's that and um, and it's only something that you would get in an environment like shield so that's uh, it's just it's, yeah you know, that and the stuff with Enver. that and Enver. yeah the kids they're happy together i'm a big doozy fan come on <laughs> meredith at et online hey guys um wanted to ask about that uh final scene in the bar i know that was the final group scene you guys all shot together and it's bittersweet and it's also you know, kind of a prescient predictor of how we see our friends in 2020 uh, over video chat and in the chairs very far apart. Uh, what, are, what are your memories of that kind of scene, filming that those goodbyes? Well, Meredith, are you camping? Where are you? You've got sleeping bags. What are you doing? Sorry, guys. I'm, uh, I'm moving across the country. I'm in the middle of Montana right now. Nope. Wow. So, wow. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Where are you moving Thank to? Thank you. I'm going back east. I was west, now I'm headed east. For you. East is good. Yeah. I'm right behind you. I'm, sorry, I'm right behind I'm you. Yeah, Ember's going too. <laughs> um, okay, so that, so that final scene, being together but not being together, attempting to stay connected but actually being in different spaces, was a kind of sci-fi version of the Zoom nightmare that slash reality that we're all living in now. and. You know, so much of the show felt like life and art bled back and forth. And 
certainly saying goodbye to people you'd been working with, some for two years, some for seven, um, and checking in with them and knowing that like your lives were taking these different paths and doing so in a way that, you know, thank God for technology because you got to even do it. But on the other hand, there's a real limitation to technology and that you're not there hugging, you're not there uh, in, in the ways that you might like to be. So it felt prescient and appropriate. It eerily mirrored our future. And uh, <laughs> it's it, it's weird to think about that now because we're being like, so they end on a video call basically? That's crazy. And now- We thought know, it was weird at the time. <laughs> I remember thinking it was weird and that kind of shield has always kind of done that. It's always kind of- <laughs> You know, it, it's weird how normal that is now and how people are going to watch that and just feel normal. Um, that everyone's going from different places now after, you know, a year. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's weird how much it foreshadows the reality that we're living in now. I don't feel like we've finished shooting S.H.I.E.L.D. yet. This is the second framework. Surprise! Season 8 is actually... <laughs> a crazy real life ride. <laughs> I do feel like I'm still going to get a call going, you know, we forgot to clean up that one fight unit. Can you come back in? Michael at Den of Geek. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about, because one of my favorite lines from the episode that just aired from Chloe was, I already have a sister to save and her name is Gemma. Oh, I love that. And... Oh. Because you had such a Daisy-centric episode that was directed by Elizabeth, uh, can you talk a little bit about you know what that filming that episode was like? Because you got to have the highs of emotion and also some great moments of comedy. God, it was so special, and I mean, I could talk about this for seventeen hours, but it really, it it, it really hit me. I think you know the the grasping the understanding that we were kind of really wrapping started, you know kind of with that episode um and again just i remember just being in that freaking pod that i had to wake up in 800 times and it was our first day of set and just like laying there and kind of watching elizabeth from the corner of my eye with her director you know headset and and you know just so poised and so it's really really hard for a young woman to walk onto a set that she's been on every day as an actress and as a young actress and then and really come in and take control and and do it so so perfect so balanced and the, the way that you have to you know with every crew member be taken seriously but don't take yourself too seriously you know there's there's such it's so hard to do and it really just like made my entire experience on the show kind of flash before my eyes and you know, I flash back to meeting Elizabeth and the journey that we've been in, been on together as two young women, um, going through like a, a, a something that's really really difficult to do. You know, we were the we were the first show to do a lot, and we've been on for a really long time, and we've grown so much together. And so to see, you know, how far we've come, uh, that was just incredibly special. And she's also just, you know, it's like when Clark directs, it's such a special treat because. There, unless a director's come in and seen every single episode of the show, there's going to be nuance to each character that you just don't quite understand. And so, when someone like Elizabeth or Clark directs, it's a, it's a it's like a it's a treat because 
there's some there's less explaining you have to do there's less like oh i don't have to, you know there's they understand it and they they and they also understand the comedy of like where everyone really thrives from a comedic standpoint and so it was just really it was such a special experience and and uh in it was a hard episode to shoot i mean we would definitely yeah, i want to i want to chime in on this one too yeah uh, i want to chime in to, to, from the from the outside it may not always be apparent but to walk in first of all she said she just wanted to do an episode and then stayed and watched every director i think for like 15 episodes over like a year to prepare and she took on one of the hardest ones we've ever done with such comic and dark tone with so many logical time constraints and directed I, it might be my favorite episode of the show. I'm not going to lie. Just there's ways that it works uh, on all those levels. That's oh, really just incredible what she pulled off. I'm really excited to see what she directs next. She absolutely killed it. I could not have been more pr pr proud implies that I had anything to do. Like just, just beaming. It's, it's a, it's a rare, it's a rare quality to find. This and and of, of, of all the other things. And she also really brought home the first weird little moments of the ship between you and um, Sousa in a way that felt completely unforced. And that was the hardest beat I think to do is, is this a thing? And I thought she killed that too. You guys helped some, but she really, <laughs> really. That was, it's a really hard like line to, to walk of going like, okay, so we have to buy this and by the middle of this episode, they are kissing. And how do we not only have Daisy understand each time loop and process that she's in a time loop, that they're, you know, all of the, every single thing that, okay, now this one, I have to go do this. And there was also at the same time, she had to be kind of falling for Susa. So there was like, you know, my brain was fried and thank God she was there. To, that's hard. Like, like, it was crazy. It's my dog. Arthur, I am on my final Zoom call for Shield. Please. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. We just have time for one last question, and that's for Matt. Matt? Oh. Hey, guys. Um, I just wanted to ask basically for um, Chloe and Enver about the, the future of uh, Daisy and Sousa. Uh, no one had to wind up with each other at the end of the show, but how how do you feel about them coming together at the end? It looks like a relationship could it work could work. Uh, Daisy's had a lot to say the least has had a lot of bad luck within that arena, and it took almost getting a guy out of time or a partner out of time to sort of be somebody who she was comfortable with and that she could have a future with. What are your opinions about their relationship and their future as sort of? Uh, you know, galactic exploring representatives of uh, humanity? Great question. I'll be honest, I was a little hesitant about a love interest just because I felt like her narrative was kind of about finding herself and her family and the real relationship was um, with Coulson and with the S.H.I.E.L.D. family and, you know, independent woman. And this one snuck up on me as Chloe as much as it did as with Daisy, I think. And it's one of those things where you go, oh, she she needed this. Like in a way that's not, she doesn't need a man, but she needed 
the way that he compliments her so well, it just, it felt perfect for, for, uh, for the ending for her. Um, you know, in a way that just, I can't, exactly, it, it took a man out of time to kind of really come in and uh, compliment her in a way that she's completely taken off guard by. And I think that was the only way that something with Daisy was ever gonna happen. And then Vera did that. You did it so well. You did it so well that I, I, I it's, I'm processing it 10 times more and now watching it than even like on the day. It's so great. And Vera, what do you think? I, there's so many parallels right now, you know, that like something comes along in the world and just like sl smashes everything that you knew, you know, and then you're sailing forward into a completely unknown universe, right? And so weird, more than ever, actually, I feel like somehow these writers were a little bit ahead of it. Like, you know, because I was like, wait, okay, so Susan came out of time and now we're going in. It feels appropriate. It feels appropriate. It feels like this thing uh, for my character gets pulled out of time, smashed into a new reality. And now everything's just like, I, you know, okay, so let's do this now. You know, uh, it, it's real life, you know things uh you know something happens and you adjust and you and you and you sail into the future you know uh into some unknown future i love it i love it i think it's absolutely beautiful and i also think uh this is why i like sci-fi is like we're you get to imagine things that don't exist you know and uh here's this new dynamic you know between the two of them we and we get to uh we get to create our own future now so i, I loved it it was great. It was it was so special for for this, you know, for her to think she kind of. I feel like right when she just settles into who she is, who her family is, the history of her, the the you know the losing her you know losing her family, and then settling into her powers, her understanding of what being powerful means, and she's like, I know myself, and then bam, this guy comes in, and I think that was the perfect way to to end it for Daisy, so very special. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thank, Thank you, everyone. All right, that wraps it up for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. After Party. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for being a part of it, and thank you so much to the entire cast of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., as well as ABC, Disney, Marvel, everyone who made it possible for us to be a part of this exclusive event, this cool table that we got to sit at uh, here tonight as we celebrate seven amazing seasons of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, we want to let you know, of course, that our website is live and in business for you to check out not only this episode, but all of our episodes in the past with stars from every show from The Office to Parks and Rec, Full House, Seinfeld, Friends, the list goes on and on. All of your favorites have been here or hopefully are going to be here soon on the Laugh Track. So make LaughTrackPod.com your one-stop shop for catching up on that, for uh, joining our mailing list as well. On social media, we're all over the place. We'd love for you to interact with us and follow us on Instagram. We're at Laugh Track Pod. Facebook, also Laugh Track Pod. On Twitter, you can follow us at Laugh Track TV. And of course, you can just email us the old-fashioned way, laughtrackpod at outlook.com. And before we go, it's 
our old friend once again. You see her every Wednesday night in prime time on TNT as part of All Elite Wrestling AEW. You know her from her years with World Wrestling Entertainment, WWE. She is the one and only Vicky Guerrero. She is loud, she's proud, and she is here with her catchphrase of the week. She is going to bust out one of TV's classic catchphrases, and then it's on you. Email us at LaughTrackPod at Outlook.com. Let us know what TV show that catchphrase came from. Let us know who says that catchphrase, and we will shout you out right here on the show. Can't wait to hear from you. And uh, without any further ado, here's Vicky. That's what she said. Guys, thank you so much for joining us once again this week. The Laugh Track, of course, produced by me, Jerry Strauss, with additional major league production by our maestro, Steve Prentice, our friend who does all the heavy lifting here on this show. Until next week, I'm Jerry Strauss. This is The Laugh Track.